What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, co-editor-in-chief for Variety. Today's podcast is a departure from our usual format. We're doing a deep dive into the history of the Made in New York program. This is a job training program funded by the City of New York that is designed to open doors for jobs as production assistants for low-income New Yorkers. Made in New York began in 2006 during the Michael Bloomberg mayoral administration. More than 1,100 New Yorkers have since gone through the four-week intensive program, and many of them are working in highly paid union jobs in the industry today. Made in New York has just released a long-term report that shows for every $5,000 invested in the training, the participants' earnings power grew 18 times over a five-year period. There are other glowing statistics in the report that reinforce the teach-a-person-to-fish value of these kinds of training and career support programs. In our discussion, we'll hear from Catherine Oliver, who was a key player in launching Made in New York. When the program was born, she was head of the Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment. Today, she's a principal at Bloomberg Philanthropies, which commissioned the study. We'll also hear from others involved in the program, including perspective from a veteran line producer who has experience hiring Made in New York grads. Here, I'll let our guests introduce themselves so listeners will know who's who. My name is Venus Anderson. I'm the director of media programs here at the Made in New York PA training program and also the post-production assistant training program. I'm Kwame Amoku, by the way, Deputy Commissioner for Film at the Mayor's Office of Media Entertainment. Hello, my name is Eduardo Holder. I was in the Made in New York production assistant program. I graduated Cycle 60. My name is Paradise. I was born and raised in New York. Catherine Oliver, principal at Bloomberg Associates and former commissioner of the Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment. This is Santiago Quinones. I'm a producer in New York. Thanks so much. I can't wait to get started on a lively discussion about the ROI of investing in human capital 
That's coming up right after this break. Strictly Business is presented by Universal Studio Group, which houses NBC Universal's four powerhouse television studios, Universal Television, UCP, Universal Television Alternative Studio, and Universal International Studios. Collectively, the four premium studio brands produce over 3,000 hours of programming, currently airing or streaming around the globe, and own one of the largest libraries in the world. To view Universal Studio Group's Emmy-eligible content, please visit universalfyc.com. Thank you all so much for joining me here on Monday, Juneteenth, to talk about the success of an incredibly uh, important and impactful program that has been uh, changing lives in New York City now for going on 15 years. Catherine, here we are in 2023. You have an incredible, I think it's about a 20, 25 page report that just details the incredible impact in a relatively narrow area of employment the incredible impact of focus and intention and resources can do. Can you take your mind back to the 2005-2006 era and talk about the spark? What was the spark for this program? What were you what were you trying to address in creating Made in NY? The city of New York really experienced a renaissance of film and television production during the Bloomberg administration. And it was back at the end of 04, beginning of 05, that the Made in New York tax incentive program, the very first tax credit in the city and state of New York ever was passed. And it was shortly after that, the floodgates opened and production escalated in the city. And we had been working really hard to make New York City a premier shooting location after a lot of the business left after 9-11. The industry was just surging. And we were starting to hear reports that uh, neighborhoods were getting burnt out. There was too much production in New York. So in a very short period of time, you know, it was feast or famine. Um, you know, there was a lot of production in New York. And um, the film office has got a very unenviable, they're in an unenviable position that they have to balance the needs of customer service, making the production happy, giving them access and also being sensitive that we're a city of eight and a half million people and their quality of life issues, you know, for residents, for businesses that thrive on the streets and sidewalks of our city. And so we saw an, a, a unique opportunity. The industry was growing. And from an economic development standpoint, this was a sector that was growing. And we and we were looking around at the productions and seeing that they needed to be more diverse in the, the productions, the crews needed to be more reflective of the city that they served and were working in. And so there was a unique opportunity to create a pipeline for more job opportunity in New York to a thriving industry. And at the same time, the film office had the task of, of maintaining law and order, if you will, on, you know, with productions in these communities. So we created, so we thought we need a training program. We need an extension of the film office. And a production assistant is the face of a production in a community. And so we thought if we work with the PAs and train them and educate them about what are the requirements of a permit, what are the you know rules of engagement when working in New York City, 
that everyone would have a more positive experience. But the film office didn't know how to do job training. So we looked around and we looked at some of the entities in the city that were doing job training in different sectors. And we discovered Brooklyn Workforce Innovations, originally based in Sunset Park. And they did job training for unemployed and underemployed New Yorkers. And, you know, cold call reached out to Aaron and the team. And this was in 2005, 2006 and said, we know about film production, you know about job training, let's work together. So we created this program and we set, set out on um, you know, launching it. And it's been phenomenally successful. We've heard a lot of anecdotes through the years. Um, and so now we have some data to put behind that that really paints a beautiful picture of economic development, career opportunities for underserved New Yorkers. So we couldn't be more proud. For all of you that are now engaged in this work, what as as growing up as youths, what was your awareness of the potential for job opportunities in this area? Were you aware that film and television production was a thing and that there was a lot there was a lot and more going on film and TV and even Broadway? What was your awareness of employment opportunities? at less than the movie star and, you know, top big name director? What was your awareness of the kind of job opportunities that you're involved with now when you were growing up as youths in New York City? As a born and bred New Yorker, I knew very little about the TV and film industry. Um, when you're growing up as a kid in the 80s and the 90s, you hear about people becoming fashion models and maybe even actors on soap operas because that was a big thing. Um, but not so much people working behind the scenes. And I remember talking to my uncle who, um, when I was younger, wanted to be an actor. And he's very unique in terms of almost everyone in my family has a city job, bus drivers, police officers, and things like that. But he he wanted to be an actor and that didn't quite pan out. He wound up having a family um, and wound up kind of moonlighting as a parking PA on this show in the 90s called New York Undercover. And I used to think that was so cool <laughs> because they so, even threw him in as, okay. as an extra. So um, I had to be maybe about 12 or 13 years old. And I remember seeing him on camera, but he said, you know, most of my work happens behind the scenes. And and I was like, you know, I need to, to dig more and, and do more research about the TV and film industry. Um, I think at that time I was still disillusioned with the fact that everything happens in Hollywood and maybe there's those one or two shows that were the New York Undercovers or the Law and Orders back then in the 90s. Um, there really wasn't too much going on that, you know, you had to move to Hollywood. So when I went to school, um, my roommate was really into TV and film. And she told me after she graduated, she was going to move to L.A., to pursue that career. And I was like, well, isn't there a scene in New York? And, you know, I'm going to move back to New York and maybe you can just move back with me. And she's like, no. So she went to LA and she works in TV and film. And when I came back to New York, I still did not see those opportunities here. Um, there was no one waiting for someone with a college degree to say, hey, why don't you work in the film industry? Um, I would apply to internships. And no one was taking anyone for an internship that wasn't enrolled in school. My mom was a single mom. And so we didn't really have many um, 
opportunities to like view people going to college and stuff like that. She kind of had to go straight to work. And my mom was the best mom that she could be given the circumstances. Um, but we grew up not in the best situations. And so uh, I got a GED in Rikers Island. I didn't really have um, like a path or I didn't know where I wanted to go. Um, and when I walked into BWI, I still was unsure. I thought I was going to be an Uber driver and they were like, we'll teach you how to get your license. So I was like, I'll get the license and see what we can do. Um, and then they, they said, you know, we have this training program where you could work on TV and, and film. And I was like, well, you got me. The ad works for me. I'll go, uh, I'll give it a try. And then, you know, that was my first, uh, introduction to working in, in TV and film. Prior to that, the only, you know, understanding I had was like, you had to be a rapper or, you know, um, that was pretty much it. Like you had to be a rapper or a model to, to be on TV. Other than that, like you weren't really getting anywhere. I came into it because I was shooting music videos around my way, around my neighborhood. Uh, a friend of mine's know about the Made in New York program. And I just happened to give it a chance. and. I walked into a life changing thing for me because that moment right there, I was like, this is where I belong. You know, this is where I need to be. I, I thought you needed to be educated with degrees and you needed to have certifications. You just need to be willing to work and learn. That's the first thing I noticed. And I was like, okay. And it opened doors for me. I never thought could open. So I'm, I'm always grateful for that. But I never thought about, you know, the film industry. I never thought that. I would let alone be in it. What was it about the work that intrigued you? What was it that that excited you about the about and made you want to learn more about it? It was so much how it's so much different departments and that how we all have to work as one to make this whole thing proud. So I never knew about, you know, HMU and the grip department and the electrics, the shadows, the lights. The, the props department down to the, it's just so intricate and, you know, detailed that I found myself learning about every department and, and why the light is here and why there's a shade here. Why do we need a prop gun or why do we have prop flowers? Everything was just so intriguing because it's a reason for something and it's we working as a unison. So everything just became, you know, a, a study program. Santiago, you have had great experience in hiring made in NY graduates. Can you talk about, you know, what what it is you look for when you're hiring people and what it is that made it and why people bring to the table for you? The things that I look for are the things that intrinsically are also what make people successful in this business, right? And it's like, you know, somebody who is helpful to the process, uh, somebody who's willing to work, somebody who understands the work and the long hours and how hard it is to be in this business um, are some of those things that we're looking for. So uh, while I didn't go through the um, Made in New York program, I can certainly speak to the opportunity gaps, uh, you know, that existed. Certainly when I started, there was, you know, there was, there was really no way unless you knew someone or unless you worked for free, which is what I ended up doing. Um, and uh I think one of one of the things that a Made in New York program does is that it it gives you it gives that graduate a leg up, uh, and and um, that's 
at least one advantage that you're bringing to the table when somebody's going to consider whether they should hire you or somebody else, right? You need a a, a mature person that that has that has the um, the, the knowledge to pick up the baton and and keep running. Um, that matters, especially because. Production, you know, I don't want to belittle war, but production in a sense is like war, uh, where uh, we have a lot of uh, moving parts and uh, people talked here about coordination and um, there's a lot of coordination that needs to happen in a very short amount of time. And usually I hire a person, you know, especially the first time I'm hiring someone, they're hired as an additional for that one day in particular. Uh, and what I expect from that person is to know the job that I need them to do. And that's what's exciting now, because the new tax credit in New York, which is going to get signed into law shortly, is a game changer. I mean, it's astonishing. And there's going to be a lot of production. And even though we have the Writers Guild strike now, when the strike is settled, eventually it will be, hopefully sooner than later. um, This is a great time to be training people and getting people into the industry because New York is probably not going to see production levels that they've ever seen before, which is so heartwarming and wonderful to give so many people an opportunity that they never had before. Will this new tax credit, will will there be an expansion of support for Made in NY or other programs in in the same spirit? Definitely, we are working with the new Film and Television Council uh, that is uh, directly tied into the mayor's office and it's comprised of multiple stakeholders in labor, industry, uh, local local workers. And within that council, there's a workforce subcommittee. So we've been working with them, stakeholders locally, uh, studios, networks, unions, to try to figure out better ways that we can increase the pipeline for New Yorkers into the industry as we expand and grow capacity, uh, the need for infrastructure and workforce will be there. So we definitely want to make sure that we use this opportunity to diversify the workforce. I always say that I I, I won't be happy until the the crews here look like the subway cars. And I think you have an amazing opportunity with this diverse city to have uh, a lot of really diverse workforce base. Don't even think about hitting the pause button. We'll be right back with more on the Made in New York program after this break. Universal Television presents Harlem from Tracy Oliver. In season two, after blowing up her career and disrupting her love life, Camille has to figure out how to put the pieces back together. Ty considers her future. Quinn goes on a journey of self-discovery. And Angie's career takes a promising turn. Entertainment Weekly says it's a smart, sleek, and sharp comedy, and Collider calls it an immediate delight. Harlem is for your Emmy consideration in all categories, including outstanding comedy series. And we're back with more on the Made in New York production crew training program. Venus, break it down for us. How do you go about applying for the Made in New York program and what what does it entail if you are so fortunate as to get in? Sure. So um, if you're looking for an opportunity to enroll in the Made in New York PA training program, you can go to our website at bwiny.org 
every Monday at 1 p.m., except for federal holidays, such as today. Uh, we have a Zoom meeting where it's an information session. You can hear an overview of what the program entails, four weeks of training. And at that time, you can submit an online application. Um, it's been like that since COVID, so we don't meet in person for the um, for the orientations. Uh, if you are selected based off of the qualifications, you have to be 18 and older. You have to be a New York City resident. Uh, you have to be passionate and wanting to work in TV and film, and you have to have a driver's license. If you don't have a driver's license, we do have a very limited amount of driving driver's license scholarships available to folks who are interested in entering driving school. Um, so those are basic our basic minimum qualifications, and in addition to being low income and and, and no income. The four weeks of training will consist of learning the basics. Um, we set it up. The first week is essentially, you know, learning what department is which, who's who on set, um, the vehicles on set, how to do runs, which are like errands for different people on set, because you're training how to be entry level. Uh, we also have a walkie talkie training. So we we set them up to uh, do the walkie lingo um, and from then second week, we're going on field trips. We'll go to like a grip or electric house. We'll go to studios. Kaufman Astoria has pretty much been open to us and letting us tour the studio. So the, the students get really excited and seeing the set of Sesame Street. <laughs> That's usually a big one every time. Um, and then third week, we're gearing up for our mock shoot. The mock shoot is essentially all the work that they put in with the walkie lingo and learning how to do lockups, which is basically stopping pedestrians in the community from walking through the sets because you don't want to ha have any stragglers just coming by um, and trying to get an autograph. <laughs> it's a, it is a skill. Yes. It is it is a skill and not everybody loves it, but it is very necessary in the entry level position of a PA. Um, so during that mock shoot, we're putting our, our students to the test to see if they can be, you know, in the fort where our office is at the Brooklyn Navy Yard. So we're usually in Fort Greene or Clinton Hill, and we're working with the community while we're setting up our own film shoot and letting them know like, hey, listen, we're here. We're representing not only BWI, but the city of New York Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment um, in, in putting a program together. And a lot of people do stop us in the street and they ask, well, how do we get involved? And people wind up coming to our orientations in that way. So it's a great way for us to not only teach the students, but we're in the community um, and in the community that we are, are training in. Also, fourth week, we set up mock interviews with industry professionals. We have a lot of uh, goal setting exercises for our students so they can set up, you know, the trajectory of their pathways and where they want to be in the next three to five years. Uh, and then from there, as Catherine had highlighted in the beginning, we have a graduation for them to celebrate, you know, those four weeks of the training. It's a really special moment for them to be able to not only get their certificates, but to speak to their classmates and knowing that they're setting up their very first network. You know, they may get out there and not know anyone, but they know each other. And now they're strengthening those bonds. And those are the bonds that they'll take with them throughout their careers. As anybody in the entertainment business knows, it's you get your next job by who you impressed on your last job. I mean, it is just so true. Paradise, Eduardo, any any thoughts about the the training? And I'd also love to hear about, you know, how you advanced. I know you both have advanced rapidly since um since your graduation of, from Made from New York. I had no income. I was a felon. Um, 
I had lots of skills, but I had no certifications to actually take those anywhere. Uh, and so I was really just very malleable. Uh, like I, I, I was at a very vulnerable point in my life where it could have went left or it could have went right. I was still on parole. I was still deciding what type of lifestyle I was going to live. And so I went into Made in New York and they were like, you have to be here every day at 8 a.m. or else you get kicked out. And I was like, 8 a.m. All right, I'll be there. And I continued to be there and I continued to show up. And I I just, I was like a sponge. I I ingested everything that, you know, was thrown at me. I think the most helpful thing to me was learning the lock, the walking lingo. So that when I walked in and they said, you know, uh, oh, we're rolling. I was like, you know, rolling where? Where are we rolling out to? You know, I, I didn't say the wrong thing. Instead, I blended in with the community and I was able to, make it work for me, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and so it, ju it just laid such a, an amazing foundation um, for me that like, I, I could never express in words how mm -hmm. gratuitous I am to Made in New York. I met my wife through the program. I, um, I've excelled in my career. I've moved up into positions. I am a union member. I have a pension, you know, like all these things that I'd never thought about as a 23 year old person walking into made in New York and, and ultimately as an overall person with so many things, you know, I think held against me, the fact that I was a woman, the fact that I was a lesbian, the fact that I was a felon, all of those things I thought would be hindrance. Like they would hinder me in moving forward and, and making good money, making legal money, making, you know, positive, uh, positive changes. So now I get up and, you know, some days I wake up at 2.30 in the morning to be somewhere by four. And I'm like, well, there's other places I could be. And I enjoy the ride to work and I get to work and I'm respected and I have a title and people come to me to, pro to solve their problems. And I feel I feel good, you know, like mm -hmm. I feel well within myself. And every and every step of the way of that, like Made in New York has been a cornerstone of those things. You know, like if it hadn't been for Made in New York, I wouldn't have gotten the jobs that I that I do. I did the Made in New York program to make my mom proud. And every single day, I just make my mom more and more and more and more proud. Every time I tell her I worked on this show or I met this person or I did this thing, she, she just sent me my own IMDB. Like, I don't know what that is. You know, like, it's just, it, it's given me so much more than just finances that I, I can't express. Oh my God. I think you just did beautifully. Eduardo? I mean, for me, the program told me everything we needed to know to walk on set. I think the lingo was like the walkie lingo kind of helps you blend in knowing the departments and it just, you know, the, the, the scenarios that we went through. So when we was on set, making a run for someone, you, it prepared me so much that I knew what other people needed before they knew. So I just paid attention. I remember being this thing was, you know, if it's nothing for you to do, act like you're busy and find something to do. You know, make yourself look like you're busy. I came into the Equalizer season one as a COVID compliance officer. Mm -hmm. um, three months onto the job, they made me set manager. And I've been on the Equalizer for four seasons. So I've been set manager for four seasons. Through those four seasons, um, I've had the honor to meet so much people, make some good connections. I was able to meet the stunt coordinator on the Equalizer. He came across some of my videos that I post on social media. And he asked me, you know, a, 
a question that kind of changed my whole trajectory. He was like, what do you think about being Kevin Hart's stunt double? Now, this is the rap stunt double. Uh, it changed my mind about stunts. It changed my mind about, you know, everything I do. And I had long locks. My hair was very long. I say a week later, I told myself, I see myself doing this. I see myself doing stunts. I see myself, you know, on TV. I see myself doing this. I cut my hair. I started training 10 times harder. <laughs> you got the guns. <laughs> and, you know, I started working out a lot more. And that following end of the year, I got my first on-site, my first stunt job. Since then, I've worked four stunt jobs on the Equalizer, and I've been training, networking with so many people. I never in my life thought that I would be a stunt actor. Mm -hmm. I never in my life thought I'd be talking to actors and having conversations with them, people that I grew up, you know, looking up to, and they're looking at me as a friend and as, as associate. They're appreciating the work that I've done. Mm -hmm. um, I always say this. My first day on set was 17 and a half hours. My first four days on set was 17 hours. I remember the Friday coming into work. I told myself, I can't do this. I'm borderline about to cry. I don't know what I'm going to do. And it was a, a classmate I had, Brian Hardison. I won't never forget this. He seen me in the corner, and I was just like, I was going through it. And he was like, hey, man, you, you got this. And it snapped me right in the shape. And had he not did that, I probably would have gave up. And I'm thankful I didn't because it brought me here. You know, Made in New York prepared me for something I never thought was possible. You know, it, it gave me a door that I was allowed to see a whole different life. You know, I'm able to provide for my family because of them. I'm able to do something life changing that my kids look up to, my friends and my family look up to. You know, I, I think some folks touched upon some, some of the most important parts of success once your foot's in the door. Uh, and, and one of those is networking, right? Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I always say to the young people, you know, who were willing to listen, at least, um, you're going to grow with your peers. And uh, someday your peers are going to be, you know, hiring you or you're going to be hiring them, et cetera. You know, or, so, so I think the foot in the door part and the closing of the opportunity gap is, is it's hard to put that into words, you know, mm -hmm. so, especially someone like myself who didn't have those mm -hmm. uh, kind of um, opportunities. This is a, a great proof of performance. The ROI is there. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. um, and so I think that is great. But I think that more people, the studios and the unions need more awareness and need to hear more of these heartwarming stories because it's giving very disadvantaged people in our city um, an, an opportunity and a real opportunity. Um, and, you know, creating and strengthening that pipeline so that we can do that for more of the residents. Has IOTSI and its support for the, you know, sort of the baseline disciplines that are covered that are covered here. Have they been a factor in the success of the program, do you think? They That's have. Um, when I first started with Made in New York as a staff member in 2011, um, the Brooklyn Workforce Innovations had just uh, finished a partnership with IATSE Local 52. It was a grip and electric training program to help people get advanced training skills, because up until that point, they had only trained PAs. Um, Beyond that, there was a local 600 training program. Uh, they did two iterations of that. Our most recent one was in 2018. 
where uh, 10 out of the 15 uh, trainees actually went on to get their um, their union cards to become union loaders. So that opened doors. Um, I know Local 52 also had an opening for people to get on their availability lists because now we had visibility um, and credibility, you know, being around so for so long. So we have over two, two dozen Made in New York graduates are now members of Local 52. Um, there could be a lot more considering we have over 1100 graduates and there's so many other locals. Um, we want to try to get people, you know, we've been doing this for 17 years now, try to get people to that above the line, you know, um, WGA, we have a few people who are members there and, and DGA as well. Um, but people are looking, you know, especially people who've been in this for a very long time are looking to advance. And I, I feel like we can continue strengthening those relationships with the IATSE. And I know Catherine has helped us um, and introduced us to a lot of those folks, um, you know, in the inner offices and letting them know that, hey, we're a program of diversity. You know, as you read in the study, there 94 percent of our enrollees are people of color. Um you know, another unstated number is 51% of our trainees are women or identify as women. So that's that's a huge number in an industry that has literally not had its doors open to people who look like that. Um, but like I said, moving forward, we, we would hope to continue building upon those relationships. There is a commitment amongst the labor unions now that we haven't seen before. And it it, it's a different attitude. Um, and we're seeing that the studios are also being much more supportive financially and also in kind with diversity training programs. And so the tide has turned. So it's really, it's a wonderful opportunity now to release this report, get more traction with it, but we have to strengthen that pipeline. Kwame, is there an opportunity to scale this model in both entertainment and other sectors that might lend itself to this kind of targeted, intense training programs for people that clearly have the desire and the drive and the aptitude. Absolutely. I mean, we created the uh, the post-production program. Uh, we, we have the theatrical workforce training program, the animation project. I mean, definitely, I think this is a, a program that we could use to scale in, a, in a creative industries, which uh, you know, media creative industries is $150 billion uh, in revenue, and uh, it's a half a million jobs for New Yorkers. So I think it's definitely something that's important. And we realize that diversity is uh, not just a social justice issue, but it's a, it's a, a marketing and creative commercial issue because you have content creators that that want to work with people that culturally understand the product that they're creating. Anybody have any last thoughts they'd like to share? I'm so grateful. I think this is so this is so such these anecdotal stories are so important to to putting, you know, you have got great numbers but now you've got a human face on these numbers in a in a significant way. This is Venus. I just want to say thank you. Um, to all of you who participated, it means not only the world to me, but to the program, Brooklyn Workforce Innovations, also our, our partners at the Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment, um, just to be able to have this platform to speak about the work that we do. I'm thankful for my staff um, and the hundreds of New Yorkers that we've served over the years. I just wanted to, to, to say this final thought is that um, 
in addition to financially and the foundation and, you know, uh, the future that that Made in New York gives everyone. I personally think that it also gives you like a sense of like self-worth and self-respect because you walk in with a, you know, as a PA and you're like, this is entry level. But as you continue to move through your career and ultimately to your ultimate position, you gain more respect and more titles. And as you gain more titles, more people come to look, you know, to you for, for guidance. And then you're able to take that back to me in New York and say, hey, these are the things I've learned throughout the years. Here, let me teach this to you. Um, and and it kind of just manifests itself in, in like a snowball effect of self-respect, you know, be getting self-respect from the program. Oh my God. And that is in such short supply in so many ways. Thank you all so much for your time and your candor and also all your great work. Really appreciate it. I'll look for your names in the credits. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for having Bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave us a review at Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music. We love to hear from listeners. Please go to Variety.com and sign up for the free weekly Strictly Business newsletter. And don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business. UCP presents the true crime thriller, A Friend of the Family, starring Jake Lacey. The series tells the harrowing true story of the Broberg family, whose young daughter Jan was kidnapped multiple times in the 1970s by a charismatic, obsessed family friend. The Hollywood Reporter says, Lacey's innate duality suits the part perfectly. And RogerEbert.com calls the show one of the best true crime dramas of the year. A Friend of the Family is for your Emmy consideration in all categories, including outstanding limited series. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.